What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. We're back, and we are here to talk about the 10th film by the master, Christopher freaking Nolan. Guys, we've been waiting for Dunkirk for like three years, and it's finally here. Hang out with us while we break the whole thing down for you guys. We'll see you in one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. It's so much better. Oh my god. No one would be impressed. He would be impressed. Yes, Haha. <laughs> Love it. We're here, guys. We're back. We're chatting action movies. Though, I'm just going to make... This is not an action movie. Not, not, not at all. <laughs> remotely. This is a Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> yes, which is why we get to do it on the show, because we love Christopher Nolan. I feel that between the three of us in this room, we have mm. a pretty good grasp on Nolan. I think that's something... For sure. Safe to say. I would definitely like... I, I would definitely agree, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on that some more with some announcements coming up. Yeah, we have talked extensively about Nolan, and uh, it would feel... It would feel like we were missing something if we didn't cover this movie, even if it was... I mean, this was clearly a drama. It had some incredible action in it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it would feel like we were doing a disservice to our audience if we didn't cover this movie. For sure, and I think one thing that this movie really does hit on is that it's so tense. Even though it's not a movie where, like, the story is like, you're like, what's going to happen next? You're just like, ah... The whole time, which is, like, a great thing about watching action movies or, like, watching thrillers. Yep. So... Even though it's not the typical action movie we cover, it still had that feeling of just being so invested. Yes, you the know? investment, the like tautness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah, a thriller by nature is, I guess, what you would call it, like sort of. Which a- is interesting because it's like there's there's no bad guys, there's no villains, you don't see anybody evil, yeah. but it's a thriller the whole time. But you're still like on edge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow, it was loud. I, you just sounded like uh, I don't know, like we were the Avengers, and you were like the house or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, Thanks, the house ben. yelling. Wanted to introduce Vision. She's on the couch. Probably <laughs> introduce all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we we really come up with a clever name. I would call you the Mole. I guess that's something in the movie, right? I want to call her the Mole, but Marina the Mole. Marina yeah. the Mole. Marina the Mole. Not, not mad about it. Spoiler alert. She's not actually a mole. Oops. No, she's not. <laughs> uh, but Marina Verano on the couch. Thank you for coming. Yes. Of course. Good. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Did you lo- did you love Dunkirk? I did. For someone, I was telling you this, for someone that doesn't, I mean, one of my favorite war movies was Saving Private Ryan. Okay. I think I've seen that movie maybe like 18 times. Wow. So for me to see this, it was like a switch of pace from what I've been watching mm-hmm. over the recent years, mm-hmm. and I found it very intriguing. Would you say it's one of the better war movies you've ever seen? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Because it wasn't a... It wasn't it's an, not a war film. Yeah. Right. According Typical. to Nolan as well. It, 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 that's exactly what I'm saying. And what I was just saying to you is like, it's very stagnant. Mm-hmm. But I'm not mad about it because it's true. You have to keep the truth in a story like this. And if they started blowing things up and making it something it wasn't... Yeah. You, you can't appreciate it as much if you know the history. Find it. Absolutely. No, I mean, Nolan described this film as his most experimental film. In an interview with uh, somebody, I can't remember who, but he said out loud, um, this is my most experimental film, don't tell the studio. And yeah. like, well, and it, and it makes sense why he 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 put it on the the shelf for a long time. Like yeah. he'd written this a long time ago, and yep. it's the shortest script he's ever written. And um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna get into all this, guys. This is Action Movie Anatomy. It's yeah. Wednesday. Uh, Introduce I'm, yourself. I'm Mr. Andrew, Andrew Guy. Guy. You can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. You can find our uh, our. 
I'm okay. What's going on? <laughs> uh, you can find our Facebook fan page, the Action Movie Anatomy fan page on Facebook, and you can also find us on Twitter at AMA Podcast. Where yep. can people find you? You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the deal there. Uh, quick announcement, guys, that we will be doing a pre-tape next week. Um, yes. I've got some stuff, so unfortunately, once again, I apologize. I've got to uh, have us tape early, so there will be no actual live chat with us in it, even I'll though be there. we yeah. probably will be in it, but you know, you won't be watching us live. So just a heads up on that. But it'll air at the normal time of 1230 on yes. Wednesday. Yes. And we also have an amazing announcement is that we're back on the movie trivia showdown. We've got our match lined oh, yeah. up. For those of you that don't know, it's it's all over the internet now. I'm not making any spoilers. We're playing deep cuts. Yep. Now, I don't know when exactly the match is going up. Do you? Uh, I don't know. It's there's so the movie trivia showdown tournament is coming mm-hmm. up, uh, and, it, and it was announced to be expanded to sixteen teams as opposed mm-hmm. to eight. And uh, Andrew and I are going to be one of those sixteen teams. They the seeding I think is confirmed that we're the five seed out of sixteen, which still seems a little low to me. <laughs> I was like satisfied. Yeah, with the yeah, five. No, it's a good, it's a good spot. Yeah, Deep Cuts had another match go up yesterday, which they got destroyed. Yeah, well, it see, seems like it because IGN was so good. I mean, actually, Deep Cuts did pretty well for a losing team. But, uh, yes, that is who we're going to be playing, Thad and Aaron. So, uh, you know, watch yourself. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Those guys, and uh, keep out, keep a lookout for that, guys. We'll be absolutely announcing that when the match is up. Yep. So uh, I suggest we get straight into this, and before we do, let's explain to the people who are watching or listening for the very first time what the show's about. We we cover action movies on this show, and those action movies adhere to four basic rules. This one doesn't. This really, I think, doesn't follow any of the rules. I think it just got the one. Or actually, it's got two, but I'll let you go. Rule number one, the hero always plays by our own rules. There isn't a hero in this movie. There really isn't a hero. A no, hero. There, there truly isn't. I guess the one hero, if you were like trying to fight for the rules, you could say Tom Hardy is the hero, and he plays the hero by his is England? own rules because something? he doesn't go back for fuel. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And sure. he's And he's like the closest thing you'd get as a leading man. He's top-lined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he blows up planes, so he's kind he's, of the hero. He's a badass. Yeah, he doesn't turn back when his fuel gauge is broken, so... I love Tom Hardy so much. Yeah, I know. With such like a, like, like a limited presence in this movie, he's able to be so like... I don't think... So I've thought about this a lot in my career as an actor, and like Scorsese with like De Niro and Pacino with his classics and Leo with Scorsese, I think the greatest actor-director combo that I am the most envious of is Nolan and Hardy. Just be and that's because you are so in love with him as Eames in Inception. That's it's like, Eames and his yeah. Bane. He can't get over it. I, I mean can't. Everybody just, loves Bane. Everyone like, loves Bane. But, but Eames in Inception is must have dream, yeah. <laughs> fear to dream a little bigger, darling. I yeah. was just like, who is that guy? He's great. I, you're yeah. always the one who tells me I that you saw to him. him. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly me. You're the one who always tells me that you saw him in that movie and fell in love with him. And I'm Completely. like And I'm like, I remember him being sweet, but like I wasn't like oh, man. that guy. That guy. <laughs> uh Sorry, so continue with the rules. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, things, beings, dinosaurs, countries in the room. That's where we miss. Yeah, I guess. I mean, villain. If the villain is, if the villain's the 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 Third Reich, and the hero is are the English as they're trying to get off the beach. Mm -hmm. In the end, they outsmart the Germans by you know ferrying the troops off the beach in passenger boats. Uh, and the Germans are the smartest to begin with because they anticipate every evacuation and they blow up the ships. Yeah. So I guess, like, to some degree, you can sort of 
But like the longer I talk about this, the more I'm going to start getting in trouble because I know nothing about history or geography. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we are movie buffs, not history buffs. Uh, rule number three: the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Yeah, it's yes. all it's all military. <laughs> Got that one. And rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Yeah, tons. A lot of them. Lots of explosions. Incredible explosions. Yeah, yeah, really. Probably probably some of the stuff that I thought was the coolest about it. So, yeah, guys, as you can tell, this is not our our normal run-of-the-mill action movie. Um, you know, this is definitely not Under Siege. <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely not Under Siege. We're in dark territory. Uh, but we do have some awesome segments coming up today. Anybody? <laughs> Look, man, no one's going to talk to you about Under Siege 2. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, coming up on the show, guys, we have some awesome stuff to talk about. We are going to be discussing some of your AMA questions, and remember, you can tweet those at us. Or now, if you uh, if you post them in the uh, fa- the Facebook fan page, we have a better chance of actually seeing them and not having them get lost in the Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, of course, we're going to be ranking all ten Christopher Nolan films. Andrew and I have both done our own list of ten. This is so hard and stressful for me, but I'm excited to do it. This was like Sophie's choice for Andrew, is what he felt like. <laughs> he actually like almost had a breakdown. Yeah, really just to let everyone know, he was hyperventilating in the uh, car wash. We can't, we can't start. We can't start. And then, uh, last but not least, we're going to have a conversation about uh, is this a masterpiece or a misstep, style versus substance? It's a big question that's floating around this film right now. Mm-hmm. I would I would argue that it's a pretty clear... Um, this is pretty clearly Christopher Nolan's most polarizing film to date. Yeah. Um, I think already, in just like a week of release, it's very clear that this has spawned a lot of different opinions, and the fact that the ratings have been so high on the critic sites has definitely... I read some pretty scathing articles about this movie... So it should be an interesting one to talk about. Uh, yeah, um, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say or like what those reviews are because I've I haven't I haven't read the reviews because I I just found uh, we did that segment on the show for a long time yeah. with, with critics positive and negative review and I just I just kind of got tired of them you know because I love these movies and because we choose movies that we like exactly <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I am really interested to hear what you have to say because like you said there's been tons and tons of dialogue going on about. Style versus substance. Yeah, he's uh, Christopher Nolan is is through and through the most fascinating director alive, and and I think yes. this movie. And I'm excited for the thesis statement. So before we uh, do our thesis statements, guys, let's get into the trailer right now, so we can watch this trailer and get a sense of what's going on. And we have uh, Marissa Serafini back in the booth, but Stephen, who has been engineering, said that people said that this trailer gave away the whole movie, which I think is really interesting. Uh, spoiler alert, guys! It happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's history. The enemy tanks have stopped. Why? Why waste precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel? There are 400,000 men on this beach. Yeah. Even watching the trailer, it's such like a fascinating such a fascinating idea that Christopher Nolan made this movie to me. It's so not his type of film. Like, I went back and watched like, you, you called me last night and I was yeah. watching Memento. And it's, it's just background. so different. I think Memento's great. I think, unfortunately, it's aged a little bit. It didn't feel as impactful as it when, I, when I recently watched it. Really? Yeah. Do you love it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. Very solid acting and just a great story. I guess when I say age a little bit, I'm talking like in its day, it was like a Fight Club equivalent kind of movie, and I don't think it's quite on that level for me anymore. Gotcha. Such great visual. Like it was so. There's no hiding from his son. Amazing cinematography, which is crazy. He didn't use Wally Fister. We have a job to do. Like he always does. Use I can't think of the guy's name. Use the same guy that used Interstellar. Yeah. 
Hans is the greatest. Yeah, he really is. What did I text you yeah, at like 7 a.m.? Exactly. Like, the music. The music. a very good trailer. Yeah, it's just, I haven't seen this one yet. Yeah, really exciting. This will be one of the films that ever that I'm the most excited to watch the second time. Here. Same. Yeah. Home. Home. I feel like there's a lot you can miss. Yeah, and I and I think um, without giving away sort of too much about my opinion on the film, I definitely think that this is this is. Um, you couldn't have expected the movie going into it. I, I could not have expected what no. this movie was going to be. Yes. Oin, Eoin, Oin, Eoin. Blackwell just joined the fan group. 300. 300. Right Boom. now on the show. 300. Yes, this is, this is an exciting moment. And I want to just point out really quickly, guys, because uh, if you're listening or tuning in and just hearing about the fan group for the first time, this was two years later... Some some of our great fans decided to start this like it wasn't, two months ago. Yeah, we like we. It's not like we were like, oh, we're going to make a page because we don't actually have an AMA page on Facebook. No. This is a group of fans, and it was created, and it just keeps getting people added to it every con- single day, like eight to ten people. Or yeah. Eight, yeah, and the conversation's so awesome. It's so great that like now we have a group of people, the, the group mind, yeah. where we can make some stupid joke about Brian Cox or like. I interviewed Brendan Gleeson last night, and I posted mm-hmm. a picture like an hour ago of it. And the fans on there are like so sick. Like this is because we love Brendan Gleeson, yeah. so they love Brendan Gleeson. And they, you know, they talk trash about our movie trivia opponents. They yeah. make stupid videos with us in them that are amazing. <laughs> and Marina, and, and, yeah, in them. Marina's explosion of emotion video <laughs> oh my God. is one of the. F- um, it's incredible. Yeah, go watch it's it. It's incredible. It's very good. I literally just float yeah. along like different <laughs> different scenes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right, so let's let's get into this. Let's get into our thesis, because I think yeah. this is huge. So thesis statement, guys, uh, if you're listening or tuning in for the very first time, I keep saying that, I hope I hope it's your first time. I, I really too. do, yeah. Uh, is we, we, we sort of develop a strong opinion on this film, and this is sort of the, like, if you're at a party and someone's like, oh, did you see Dunkirk? And you're like, well, here's the thing about Dunkirk. You want to really be able to stand on a, on a soapbox and be like, I'm going to preach about this movie right now, and you're going to agree with me, because this is the truth. And you have to believe it wholeheartedly. It should be rooted in, like, hyperbole. And here's, here's my... Um, Dunkirk is Christopher Nolan's most overrated film. Dunkirk is Christopher Nolan's most overrated film. It's because of the the reviews. It's because of the IMDb. It's not even his fault. It's yeah, it's not his fault at all. Uh, it's it's a whole lot of things. It's a yeah. whole lot of things. I think it's this is so interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I should clarify for a second, guys. You do love this. Are you? I really thought this movie, this movie was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time deciding how I feel about this movie, like how great I think it is. And when we get to our rankings, uh, it, that's this. The, it was We're the hardest film. How you feel about it? Well, kind of, because I, I had the hardest time ranking that movie. I don't really know in the end how I'm going to think about this movie. Yeah. But I know walking out of it, and I know reading the reviews and thinking about it afterwards, the point that he's at in his career, Christopher Nolan, and the subject matter and the visuals and everything. There is so much here that. Uh, encourages a critic to give this movie a really, really, really great review. It's very innovative. It's it's uh, experimental. It's trying to do something different, while at the same time defying a lot of the uh, the narrative that we're used to seeing just in film in general. If you think about the great war films we've watched, like we'll use SPR, Saving yeah. Private Ryan is maybe the greatest modern war film, probably. In fact. I think it is. That's a movie driven entirely by character. It's entirely driven by a group of characters who you come to love 
and just miss so much as each one of them dies. It's such a great movie for that reason. Yeah. It employs action. It employs character development. That's what great storytelling has been since the dawn of time. It's not like in different eras as, as visual technology grew, directors didn't get the idea to try something innovative. People have been doing innovative things for 100 years. So him doing it with this movie is an example of a great director I think the greatest living director. I'm pretty sure he's the greatest living director. Mm -hmm. And I walked out of this film, and my first tweet was, of all the thoughts I have about Dunkirk, one thing is clear. Christopher Nolan is a master, probably the greatest living director. Right, because I understand that if you're watching this movie and you don't like it, you still have to be like, that's an incredible movie. Just kind of like The Revenant. Yes. It's exactly how you felt about The Revenant, but The Revenant even had so much more driving than this. The Revenant is a revenge story. And I liked this movie a lot more than The Revenant. And I, I know you did. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and I didn't even have to ask you because it makes sense. But it, yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying. You, you, if it wins all these awards, you go, of course it did. Yes, exactly. He, yeah. abandoned, he abandoned so many of the things that we're used to seeing that drives great films to make this movie in the way that he wanted to make it. Also, Christopher Nolan's so well known for his manipulation of time in his movies yeah. and he used it in this movie to take like a small moment and sort of expand it so you could see it from three perspectives but I guess ultimately the reason I say this is his most overrated film is he's never made a movie that people were so confused on how they they were supposed to feel about it even Interstellar which would I would say would be the runner up film yeah but it's Interstellar I think <laughs> Interstellar wasn't in the top 50 the day it came out. And Interstellar, because it's a sci-fi film, critics and people and fans, they feel much more comfortable criticizing the movie. You can say about a movie that's trying to employ something like the fifth dimension, yeah. this falls flat for me because of all this craziness that didn't make sense. This is a, is a historical event done entirely without CGI, shot on 70 millimeter cameras with some of with, the most... film, still some film, which is crazy. With some of the most sweeping visuals in the history of cinema. It's... Yeah. You, I walked, and the thing is, in the moments that I was supposed to feel uh, like emotional payoffs, I felt them. Yeah. I teared up. This movie was amazing. Which is what's so crazy about you're invested in the whole story yeah. of, of what's going on. Not any one part. Any one person in this movie could have died at any time, and you're just like, yeah, it's war, man. Except for Mark Rylance. That would have sucked. He's awesome. So ultimately, the reason I would say it's his most overrated film is because as good as this movie was, and ultimately it may win a bunch of Oscars, He's made some of these movies that are like all-time you know, movies for me. I, I got to interrupt you because I was going to bring this up, and he, this I think it was this guy that responded specifically on Twitter as well. He said, I think that Paul Thomas Anderson and um, uh, David Fincher might have something to say about that. I want you to take David Fincher, and I'll take Paul Thomas Anderson because Paul Thomas Anderson ties directly to my thesis. Great. Do you okay. understand what I'm saying? Uh, like to discuss why. Yes. Nolan is greater. Yes. Yes. Uh, first, you love Fincher, and PTA is my favorite living director. Absolutely, He's my favorite. Yeah, um, I would. Yeah. Okay. So the difference between Fincher and Nolan, in my opinion, and this is a conversation I had a lot recently, is that uh, Nolan's ability to make different films of sweeping scale is not as wide as Fincher's. So mm-hmm. Fincher, Fincher's able to make movies on like all different topics. Like he can go from Seven to The Social Network to Alien Three to yeah. Gone Girl. But every single David Fincher movie feels like a David Fincher movie in the sense that they're all they're all dark, they're all bleak, they all have these like very sort of like smarmy um, these smarmy characters. Yeah. Like everything, it's so hard to get away from the tone of the movie. Now that tone is brilliant. Nolan, on the other hand, is able to make a war film, a Batman movie, a sweeping sci-fi epic, yeah. uh, a psychological thriller. A crazy movie, like just like a like a movie about magic, like yeah. he can do. He's experimental, like he said, and he can do anything. And he doesn't dwell on his he doesn't dwell on his ideas. He makes a movie, he makes another movie, makes like that's the thing about Nolan. Is when I say it's not his fault, 
He's not going to give a shit if this movie wins Oscars. He'll exactly. make another movie two years from now. Exactly, and it could be about it could be it could be animated for all we know. And like the thing about that makes him so great is that, like you said, if you can truly disappear as a director, it's just as impressive as disappearing as an actor. Like if you go through and you watch a Nolan movie, and you're like, oh my god, this was so incredible. And he has his things, of course, of course. you know, the non-linear storytelling and the music and like all that. But it's not the same like you're talking about. Like the yeah. characters can be completely different. Um, and so I'm going to hop in with my thesis, and I'm also going to cover the other side of that with PCA. Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson because Paul Thomas Anderson is both mine and Ben's favorite director. Yeah, uh, I would say I would say uh, Fincher and Nolan are clearly both two of the ten best living directors. I don't think PTA is. I hate to say it. Really? Okay. So yeah, let me let me go here. So I think that this film I, is has proven to me that Christopher Nolan is not only the greatest living director alive, but he is also the greatest nonlinear storyteller ever. Interesting. That's Period. Cool. And the the other person that ties that that competes with that for me the most are like. Paul Thomas Anderson, the Tarantino, and Tarantino. Yeah, uh, Tarantino doesn't even. He's not even in the same wheelhouse for me, just because. It just he just isn't where his career's gone. Yeah. Um, whereas Paul Thomas Anderson, and it kills me to say this because he is again my favorite and two of my favorite movies. I just watched There Will Be Blood last week and Boogie Nights a month ago. His greatest successes are when he's telling linear stories. Yeah. As opposed to Nolan, who can tell you a non-linear story, whether it's in The Prestige or Memento or an Interstellar, or I mean, or an Interstellar or in Dunkirk, and they're so different. Whereas, like, Paul Thomas Anderson succeeds the most in Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood, in my opinion. Your opinion is Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Yeah. And I think the biggest reason for why Magnolia falls flat is because it's so non-linear and it's a little weird at the end with the frogs. Yes. You know what I'm Magnolia, saying? Magnolia, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But... I think that Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood are linear stories to a T, and they're, and they're fantastic. Nolan can literally, like, I don't have to know what's going on ever in a Nolan film, and I know he's going to take care of me. Yeah. I know that by the end of it, I'm going to know exactly what's going on, my mind's going to be kind of blown, and I'll be like, this is a great film. You walk out satisfied. You walk out satisfied. You're never like, well, what about this thing and that? And this didn't make any sense. There's none of that. <laughs> I got these sticks. <laughs> I got these sticks. <laughs> um... So yeah, I think that not only is Nolan the greatest living director, I think that he's the greatest non-linear storyteller of all time. Yeah, I don't even think that I have to dispute it at all. I think it's totally right. I just like he's he's so good at that shit. He really is. Um, I, I should qualify the statement really quickly about PTA not being one of the ten best living because it sounds like I'm not as big a fan of him as I am. Which um, you are. My second and third favorite films of all time are Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Period. They're like... I am obsessed with that guy. Here's the problem. He's made half good movies and half like extremely subpar movies. It's really it's a real bummer what's happened in the last five years for me with PT, with Inherent Vice and the Master and um, Yeah, and, and when you think about like Inherent Vice and the Master are the two recent ones, but then you go back to the beginning and you're like, Hard Eight's a fine oh, yeah. movie, it's good, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's not special, it's good. It's like, like Ellen Page. What? Wait, who's in that again? Hard Eight. Who's uh, the lead? That's uh, Philip Baker I'm thinking Hall. Of Hard Candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that movie's good, but it's his first movie, so you're like, you forgive it. Um, Boogie Nights is a masterpiece. Magnolia is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Punch Drunk Love's fine. It's a yeah. good movie. It's like entertaining, but it doesn't stand out for me. Uh, there Will Be Blood is remarkable in its own way. Mm-hmm. It does prove that he has the ability to do scope, which is not something we see. Yeah. And then it's just followed up with these two, like, why? Weird. Just weird-ass movies. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing about him is that, like, when you really say that that phrase, ten best living directors, like, you have to include Cameron, you have to include Spielberg, you have, you have to, to include Scorsese, you have to, like, I think Coppola falls off the list because he's not making good movies anymore. 
but you have to include Danny Boyle. Like, there's that's yeah, tough, right? Like, you get into you get into this list, and of, there's all these new up and comers that are incredible. Denis Villeneuve, I mean, for fuck's sake, yeah, like, Swaron, like, yeah, you know, even like the Brad Birds and the Ryan Johnsons of exactly. the world are going to be there. Which yeah. is why the statement that Nolan's the best living director is a crazy one, and the fact that Fincher's in there, and you look at his movies, it's it's clear, yeah, like. His last movie was Gone Girl, which is like people just—they're like, "Oh yeah, that was a really good movie." Like, it's a phenomenal movie. It's a very, very good movie. It's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's modern storytelling at its best. Yeah. which is it's so compelling. Like, he does such a good job making you hate her. Yeah, you hate yeah. her so much at the end of that movie. Totally. All right, we're we're yeah. tangenting here. Uh, Marina, do you have a thesis, or do you you have a thesis that you want to read up from the chat? Any of the above? Yeah. So I actually like Joel Hammond. Thanks for tuning in. His says. What's up, Jay? Do you know the last five minutes of a movie when a movie reveals a twist with that amazing song? The entire movie was a beautiful and slow version of that. Okay, mm. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, because you you really do while you're watching it, you understand. It's like, oh wait, this hasn't happened yet, or this is happening at right. a different. You slowly see it happen, so it's not like a twist. Right, it's not like a big reveal, but it's like kind of as an audience for about an hour, you're like. Oh, how it, and because even yeah. by the end of it, because with the last ship, the yep. one that's sinking, and you see it when he's flying above, you don't really know exactly how it's going to end. Yeah, right. So that's cool. I think that's a really cool thesis. And then Jonas Tiger, Nolan is the Kubrick of the two thousands. I truly believe that. Yeah, he definitely has a lot of the a lot of the same characteristics characteristics as a director. There's like um, like wide still shots, beautiful cinematography, the the driving music. Yeah, he's. He is truly like a remarkable artist, and it's it's probably the thing. That's why I was comfortable using that as my thesis. Is that like I don't? <laughs> when you say the most overrated Christopher Nolan movie, like we're gonna rank his movies, it's like that's like that's like saying that this is my least favorite Oscar. It's like well, I mean, whoever Sean Bowman is completely agrees with you. Really? He, he just popped in the chat and said Dunkirk is overrated, so you should go back about five minutes and you will hear that Ben agrees with you. There's, I mean, there's a lot of people. Our friend JTE, I saw his his review was not great. Yeah. The critics have been very mixed about this. The Guardian wrote a pretty pretty scathing review. It's the crazy thing about it is like when you get to the level that he's at and you are doing the kind of things with like with filmmaking in this interesting way. There's a there's like an instinct people have to just be like, well, he's the greatest, so we're just gonna, you know, we'll just make sure we give it a good review because like, we're stupid if we don't think this is good. And it's right. like, I definitely commend people for like trying to come up with their honest opinion of the movie. I don't think that just because he's like a genius artist, like everybody should just be like, it's just a genius movie because it's Christopher Nolan. Completely, I think he still has to earn it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, let's get into our next segment of the show, guys. This is fist pump moment. This is the moment in the movie something happens. You look around, you're like, are you seeing this right now? This is unbelievable. This is so great. I get to watch the rest of this movie. I'm literally so excited um and my god there were some incredible ones in this movie yeah there's some great ones i think mine they show it in the trailer but it's the first bombs that go off and it's as you see the bombs being dropped down at the end of the beach uh-huh. and they get down and the shots on our boy and he puts his hands over his head and you're seeing the bombs go off in sequence oh like one yep two and there's that dude three, laying on the ground like four. shooting mm-hmm. up in the sky and then all the dirt lands, lands on, his on head. him that was mine <laughs> that was the moment for me where i was like because it was pretty early in the movie yeah that was the moment for me where I was like, wow, like this is, this is this real. Is, this is a Nolan movie. I was like, mm-hmm. this is, and I thought about it and I've used this example like four times in the last week, but that moment in Saving Private Ryan when he's on the, on the bridge shooting at the tank. And when you're watching that and you're like, 
oh yeah, like if this is the first time I'm watching this movie, I'm gonna always remember that shot because mm-hmm. it's like the the way he set that shot up is just such a memorable thing to be looking at. It's such a cinematic yeah, idea. It's just the, everything by an everything artist about like yeah. I want the scene to look exactly like this. And I in Nolan's mind, I'm sure that was like a storyboard. He was like, yeah, I want it to be like one, two, three, and he's in the foreground and that's yeah. in the background. And I was just like, "Wow! Like this—that's what this movie is going to be." Even because at that point, I was like, "I don't really know any of the characters. Nobody's really said anything yet. Mm-hmm. What's this movie going to be about?" And it didn't change the fact that by the end of it, I still kind of felt that way. I still was kind of like, "I'm not really sure what I just watched." But there's all these moments in the movie that I was like totally engaged. I was like, yeah. "Oh, that was beautiful to look at." God, I can't believe you pulled that off. That was like my fist pump moment. Was just those the bombs going off. I was like, "That's this guy's." Yeah, the first time the bombs went off is crazy. And I also another cool thesis, and, I, and I'm going to say this for like one second is like I've never seen vagueness used so well in a film. Mm-hmm. Like no villains, you never see the bad guys. Like yeah, it was so crazy. Um, Marina, do you have a fist pump, or did Ben steal yours? That was one, but I have another one, of course. Um, and I was actually telling you, when they start cheering, when he crosses the wooden panel. Oh, right, yeah. Because yeah. you see him, like, look, they show the th- panel, like, it's very thin, and they're like, go. And they just, like, run across, yeah. and they all just start cheering. Yeah, and I like, just take a crack at it, boy. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Oh, my God, I love that. Um, and then, yeah, I, a lot of parts when they were carrying the body, like, I was just like, as you watch them just keep running, and the body's yeah. just, like, bouncing up and down on the right. stretcher, you're just like... I was just excited to see where it was going to go, but definitely the wooden piece because I was like, oh, they're done. They're yeah, done. <laughs> well, before the show, you and I were talking about that, and um, what I thought was so cool about that moment that I love too was uh, he says, take a crack at it, boy, and it's like he's, he's kind of egging him on, yeah, you know? But right. what's so cool about it is that there's no hesitation ever, and that's what I love about this movie is everybody is running around like a chicken with their head cut off. They don't know what they're doing, but they're doing, and they're always doing, right. which I think is so cool. In that moment, it's not like, okay, well, this board's going to break, and we're going to fall. Probably won't die if we fall. It'll probably hurt real bad. Right. But you know what I am going to do? I'm going to die if one of those fucking bomb hits me. Yeah, right. You know? So it's just like that always, the need to survive throughout this movie was just so Very cool. Evident. Yeah. Um, so my fist pump is also, it's like a little tied to my favorite line, but I'll get to, the, I'll just do the fist pump for now. Um, it's in the very beginning, and... It's when uh, they're loading up the boat with all the lifeguard jackets, right? And Rye Lance realizes that George jumped on the boat. Yeah. He's like, do you know where we're going? Yeah. It's like, we're going to war. And he's like, I'll, I'll do good work for you, sir. And yeah. then it cuts right back to the pilots. Yeah. And he's like, he's on me. And then Hardy goes, I'm on him. Yeah. And I was just like, yes! <laughs> we're going to war. Hardy's about to kill somebody. Like, I was stoked. Yeah. I fist pumped in the theater. That's fucking sweet. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Um, awesome, awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the fist pump moment. Be sure to share yours in the live chat right now. We've got Marina in there. Uh, Marina, if you hear any awesome ones, be sure to shout those out. You got it. Um, let's get into our next section, which I think plays kind of on what we were just talking about, which is style versus substance. And oh, yeah, this, yeah. This is pulled from some comments from the Facebook group, I believe, correct? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll burn through these real quick. These are all from the Facebook page, and, and Josh Ryan, I, I pulled yours from Twitter. Uh, Dirt Brown says, does Dunkirk count as style over substance? So thank you for giving us a title for our segment, Derp. Uh, Jamble Johnson says, realism has kept you from being immersed or enjoying it. And these are also parts of the entire quotes. And he says, uh, yeah, realism has kept you from being injured, uh, immersed or enjoying a film. He's saying, Carmen Young says, how would more or less spoken words have affected the film? Uh, distracted or improved? And then Josh Ryan says, is authenticity more important than creating compelling arcs and conflict for characters? And I think all of those things tie exactly into the title, style versus substance. You know, like the choice to not speak as much adds or takes away from the film. And in this 
in this case, I think it adds. I don't know if it would have hurt if he he added more words or not. But how do you guys feel? I mean, and, and you, Ben, being someone that read a lot of the reviews, I, I know Marina checked out a few as well. Um, what do you guys think? Style versus substance? Um, it's funny because I think you when you have the level of style that Christopher Nolan has, I, I don't think you lose as much as most directors would lose by going with such an innovative concept. Yeah. Um, you know, with the freedom to shoot it the way you want to shoot it, tell it the way you want to tell it. Uh, the one thing I do wonder is, you know, the nonlinear storytelling in this movie I can't I that's the one thing I can't really wrap my head around is do I think that that was a necessary tool in this in this case. The movie was so beautiful and mm-hmm. it was such a simple story that I almost feel like like thinking back on it right now, I almost feel a little bit confused by it still. Right, like that moment when you see Killian Murphy on the boat and yeah. he tells them that they can't get in, you're like, "But you're on the other boat." Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing where I'm just like, I don't really know. I didn't feel at the end like there was this big sci-fi reveal like I'm used to, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of Inception where you're like, "Oh, wait." Yeah, the end of Inception, the end of Prestige, the end of Memento. Yeah, you know, and those are like the reveals that Nolan's so famous for. So that's the one where I'm, I'm just like, I don't know if stylistically you needed to do that because I think it almost took away from my ability to get into the movie while I was watching it. Yeah, that's why I think people are going to call this movie overrated because they don't think there was enough substance. But when you're telling a true historical event, yeah, the substance may be lacking because they're not going to overdo it because it's the truth. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, why yeah. people watch this and we're like, eh. No, I mean, I totally get that. It's like you can't add in all these storylines to a movie if it's not true. Because um, then you'll have the people be mad that it, yeah, yeah, it, it becomes, becomes a different... Yeah, it becomes a different film. And, like, Nolan is the type of person that's going to stick to the truth. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting, man. And I, I don't really know. Like, I think that style versus substance in this, it just it's a double-edged sword. I think that the style of Christopher Nolan is so fantastic that he he's created a great war epic that will be remembered. But I also think that the lack of substance in this film, um, it's not going to be one of my favorites. I'm not going to go back and watch it a bunch. Yeah. I'll go back and watch it. But what I will say is in a conversation with style versus substance, the first thing that popped in my head was Avatar. I think it's one of the most beautiful films that has ever been made, ever. And it was the first time we had practical, real 3D from our you know our boy James Cameron. That is style versus substance because I have watched that movie maybe once again. Yeah, I have no desire to watch it again. And the only reason I even liked it when I walked out was like that movie was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Whereas this movie, I'm like, that was an incredible story, but it yeah. was real. Even his even his very intentional use of color in this film was so interesting. It was yeah. so it was so clearly this like it all was like that brown sort of... It was of, like you and me waking up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. You know, like every day is kind of like dark and dreary, dreary and, yeah. and cloudy and kind of brown and wet and like everything, all the boats, everything was blue and white. Yep. It was really cool. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Um, the fans are uh, chiming in. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. No, no, please. Um, the Jonas said, actions speak louder than words. This movie is more about what you do than what you say. Yeah. Which I think mm-hmm. is very true. As you said, That's they were cool. just always doing whether it was they were talking or not and walking around with their heads cut off, you know? Right. And then um, Chaz said, I think Nolan used the nonlinear tactic to layer multiple moments of tension on top of each other, so that made it more dramatic, which is why, hmm. like, maybe think. Yeah. And someone else said that, like, the war was treated like a character. Yeah. So that's kind of maybe why it lacked substance because you were just kind of focusing on this one thing. Yeah. He, he pretty clearly made, and as, as he said in, in his interviews, this is not a war film. So um, I would say this movie is like one part Thin Red Line and it's like one part Apocalypse Now or something. Yeah. It's like, 
it's like trying to be this like sort of very like flowy, this like flowy, intensely dramatic, uh, cinematic and beautiful moment in time. And I think that's it succeeds for that. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, like people are audiences going to see this movie expect two things. They expect a the war is hell movie, which is like what has been made a million times and just keeps getting remade every five or ten years by a great director. Somebody makes another war movie. Uh, they expect the War is Hell movie, and they also expect something sweeping from Christopher Nolan. In their minds, they're getting a World War II epic by Christopher Nolan, which is not what this was. That's the thing. Is this is not a Christopher Nolan World War II epic. Yeah, but it, it is, though. It's, it I would, is and it isn't because it's like this is a Christopher Nolan war epic. It is not a Steven Spielberg war epic. This is like what Christopher Nolan would do with a war epic. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I think, okay, I'll rephrase it. People think they're getting a World War II epic that well, just, just happened like, to be yeah. made by Christopher Nolan. Gotcha, gotcha. Whereas, like, Christopher Nolan decided to make one of his movies, and he decided that the setting was going to be a story about World War II, which is why there's basically no blood in the movie. There's no blood. And, yeah, actually, it was so funny. I was watching it, and I go, I, it, it was starting. Yeah. And I was like, wait, this is PG-13. I was like, oh, man, PG-13 war movies suck. I was like, oh, wait, it's Christopher Nolan, though. This is all sitting down in the first 30 yeah. seconds of the movie, like, watching it, going in my mind. I was like, ah, he'll do it. And then when the first bomb that you're talking about goes off and the dude flies up in the air, yeah. there's no blood, there's no limbs, I'm just like, it's incredibly powerful still. Yeah. Even without the, the gore. Yeah, like, I, I think a good um, a good reminder of, of epic is, like, stepping outside of your comfort zone to make an epic, David Fincher made Benjamin Button and mm. Christopher Nolan made this. Yeah. Like, that's the that's the kind of thing where you're like, one, they're both employing weird tactics and crazy editing, but, like, one is still intensely character-driven and, like, quirky and weird and beautiful. Mm. The other is, like, the opposite. It's not character-driven at all. It has no words for 40 minutes. If we cared more about one of these characters, would it have helped or hurt the movie? If uh, you cared more about Tom Hardy, if you cared more about Killian, if you cared more about, um, uh, da, 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 what is his name? I know his name. Uh, Fionn Whitehead. Um, I believe it would have helped the movie. You think so? That's what It I wouldn't mean, have taken away from the, the grand scale of just, like, accomplishing this victory. Well, as far as audience, I think they would believe it had more substance if they were attracted to more characters. Because, mm-hmm. I, because I think that, the, you know... Um, uh, sorry, Mark Rylance's character was like sort of the most relatable. He was the most interesting. He was the me. most like relatable like person that I was following in the story, and mm-hmm. it's no surprise that he's the person who was like doing things in the movie. He had intention. He had the most words. He he was actually had a narrative. He's like, my son was in the war. I lost my son. Yeah, I'm everyone trying- else is just a soldier, which is like what yeah. you are in war. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So. All right, that's that's interesting. That's a very interesting discussion. Uh, so yeah, let's move on to the people in this movie. It's really tough to kind of figure out who star A and B were. Yeah, we we listed Mark Rylance and Cillian Murphy, but like they're not really the stars. I, like Mark Rylance sort of is because what we just said. Yeah, he feels like the guy. But on the other hand, Fiona Whitehead is the he's sort of the guy you're following through the whole story for the most part. He feels like sort of the guy. Yeah, exactly. It's like Fiona Whitehead and Harry Styles are are kind of the guys that you really actually not even really Harry Styles. It's really just Fiona Whitehead. Um. And actually, the French soldier. Yeah. The two of them, uh, because you're so curious about him. Um, the reason that I picked Rylance and, and Killian to cover is because uh, Fionn and Harry, this is their first feature film. Yeah. Uh, either of them. Yeah, either of them. Both of them. Yeah, Fionn's been in a couple, uh, he's been in a couple TV series, I think in a short film. This is Harry's first acting credit ever. And um, Nolan said, he's like, I interviewed, or he, I auditioned tens of thousands of young men. And Harry had it. And in the same way that everyone underestimated Heath Ledger as the Joker, everyone underestimates That's Harry. That's a crazy comparison. Yeah, it's wild, as, right? Uh, yeah, and I also think that um, I think that it's a definite overstatement by Nolan. I, and I'm going to say this, and I could be completely wrong, but I don't think I am. 
Harry Styles draws a huge audience. It draws a huge crowd of people that would not watch this movie, watch this movie. How many girls between the age of 14 and 22 are in love with Harry Styles? Yeah. How many of them know who Christopher Nolan is? All of them. How many of them would have watched Dunkirk had <laughs> he not them. been in it? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I it's fair. I know for sure that if he, if he auditioned tens of thousands of men, there was someone else out there just as good as Harry who was cheaper but would not bring an audience in. He had to have a security guard doing. on set with him because of the unwanted attention in France and Dunkirk. So, yeah. like, I'm I, not, I, don't, I don't knock it. I think Harry did a great job. I think, yeah, that was what I was going to say. It's like, yeah. I think, bottom line, uh, if, he, if he was comparing, you know, five people that were, like, right for the job and he said, well, it just so happens that Harry Styles is about as good as all the others and I'm trying to make the decision... And we can get Harry Styles in this movie, and I don't feel like I'm compromising anything by putting him in the movie, aside from some unwanted attention on set. Absolutely. Oh, of course. Right? Like oh, uh, uh, That's why I said, I'm like, just call it what it <laughs> is, man. You're Christopher Nolan. You're, yeah. you're a genius. Just be like, I put Harry Styles in the movie because he's not an actor. He'll bring a huge crowd to a movie that no one's going to watch that is of that demographic. Yeah. And he's good. Yeah, he was. I was. I was impressed actually. With uh, I didn't feel taken out of the story at all. I didn't well, even feel distracted by his like handsomeness. What I was like is, I was like, I'm pretty positive that that's Harry Styles. Yeah, but it could also be that guy <laughs> the whole time. And I then, thought, yeah. and then you looked down. You're like, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like Google imaging the guy. I literally Google imaged it after I was done. Oh my god. I was positive that it was him, <laughs> and I was right. But I also thought it could have been uh, the blonde kid, but he was too young. You're like, it was Harry Styles. <laughs> Win was, one for Andrew. I got him. Andrew Tens won. Tens of millions of fans, and Andrew. I can point him out. <laughs> Andrew won the world zero. <laughs> um, so going into star profiles, we'll just, we'll just go right through these. So uh, Rylance, his three most recent films are The Gunman in 2015, Bridge of Spies in 2015, which him and Tom Hardy went head-to-head for the uh, Best Supporting, supporting Actor, actors, and Rylance won. Um, I never saw the BFG or Bridge of Spies. My, neither did I, and I I think that Tom Hardy, <laughs> go figure, <laughs> was the best part of The Revenant. I yeah. think that his, uh, Leo did a phenomenal job, um, but I think Tom Hardy's character was like great acting. Yeah, and he also, uh, that's that's one of the big ones that people are like, why did yeah. he get that? It's like I think there was a pretty strong sentiment that Hardy should have won. Uh, but Rylance is amazing. I'm happy for the guy. He's he's kind of one of those guys that it, it's like he he's never gonna he already peaked in yeah. his career and he's kind of just gonna be around. I think for the rest of his yeah career. he's he's a really good actor and he's done good work for a long time. But I mean, unfortunately, like the way that it works with you know with great artists like Spielberg especially and and maybe this will be proved wrong with Ready Player One because the trailer looked fucking looks sick, awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, unfortunately for guys like on that level, there's a certain point you reach in your career where like. You're sort of – it's like kind of like the Will Smith effect. There's like mm. – when you're palatable to all audiences, when you become one of these like extremely f- like family-friendly, loved faces, um, you're not like the edgy guy. But yeah. you're like Steven Spielberg. You made Hook and you made E.T. and you made all these – you know, like all these movies, Jurassic Park that we love. There's this thing that happens where eventually the world's like, all right, I'm kind of just like tired of the Steven Spielberg thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. what's happened in the last 10 years. And so Bridge of Spies, unfortunately for him, is that movie that came out where people were just like, I don't want to see Bridge of Spies. Like, I don't care. I just don't care. Chess says, Bridge of Spies is most likely every dad's current favorite movie to watch on HBO. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds about right. Now, what's unfortunate is I wouldn't be surprised if I watched Bridge of Spies and found that that movie was very oh, I'm sure good. It's good. Yeah, sure it's very good. It's great acting. But and... so there's that's the sort of the thing about that movie. Um, on the other side, yeah. So with Killian here, Killian Murphy, he's got The Party in 2017, Free Fire in 2016, and Arthropod in 2016. 
Um, Continuing the strangest career of all time. Yeah, and we, we talked about him a, a lot on our 28 Days Later episode, so we're not going to revisit this much. Um, Josh Ryan Sports, who's a good buddy of ours, he's been a longtime fan, he asked about Killian Murphy and Harry Styles' acting debut. Um, Harry Styles, I think, is going to have a great career ahead of him. I don't know if it's going to be in film, though. Like, I think he'll continue to be, you know, he'll make his own music. I just, he has a face. Yeah. This, the, he has this face about him where he's a good-looking guy, but he's like, he's got the Guy Pierce face. Yeah. Where it's like, he'll, he could have a great career as kind of like a villain, I mm-hmm. think, honestly. Mm, I really think so. Um, but it's it's also crazy because Nolan's one of the few people that have ever used Guy Pierce as a leading man hero, but he's also, he actually yeah. turns out to be a villain in Memento. Right, right, right. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah, guys. spoiler alert. 22 years later. Yes. <laughs> uh or 18 years, yeah. Killian, he's fantastic. He's one of the greatest role-filling leading men out there. He will never be an A-list leading man superstar. Didn't we establish on the 28 Days of Life that it's Cillian? It's Killian. Is it? It's 100% Killian. Okay. That's what we established. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, yeah, he... Here's the thing about Killian Murphy. Um, I think that guy's a great actor. He always does a great job. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Like... I think he's benefited from his his two directors that he's worked with more than like anybody in like anybody any yeah, comparable and and actor. Those, wait, who are they again? Danny Boyle and Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I can't think of any, any like comp for him that I would be like, like who who is his comp? Like because uh, the two guys he's got to work with, the movies he's gotten to be in, it's like it'd be like uh, it'd almost be like a modern day Paxton without the comedy. Yeah, you know, like a guy that's just going to show up in all these fantastic movies. By the time that the next Ben and Andrew are doing their action movie anatomy show in twenty years, yeah, Killian and Murphy will be one of those guys we talk about. It's like, but he's been in this movie and this movie and this. He'll be yeah. like the Chris Coopers of the world, yeah, right. you know? Like he just shows up and everything. Yeah, I just I, he's he's hard to pinpoint because at this point with him, I don't really lose myself watching him. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? He doesn't. I don't lose myself watching him. Like he doesn't. He doesn't become a character in a way that I'm like, oh, I'm not just watching Killian Murphy in a character role. Yeah, he's always kind of Killian Murphy in a character. Yeah, he's role. always kind of got a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. He has a hard time losing his physicality, but he's always very good. Even though you, even though you don't lose yourself, he's he's always very good. I love it. I mean, he's, he's in some of my favorite movies. Me too. <laughs> this is another thing. Sleeper just wrote. Uh, Unless you set the world on fire, it feels greedy when an A-list musician gets roles. I completely agree. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, um, do we want to do this right now, or do we want to go into pro? Um, let's go into production and, yeah, and we'll, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah no that one. seems more appropriate. So uh, we've been just sitting here just asking Nolan's D for the last 25 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Basically. Uh, <laughs> okay, but, so to touch on that, were you worried that this was going to be like one of those masturbatory director films? No. Or did you think that was more interstellar? Um, I wouldn't even say Interstellar. Like, <sighs> for me, I when watching the trailers, I was I was a little worried and mostly excited. But I was like, "Is yeah. Nolan gonna do it?" Well, my thing about this, so the trailer we watched just a second ago was the full trailer. Um, yeah. but the first one was the teaser. The first one was the teaser that was like a minute long, and it only mm-hmm. had like a shot of guys on the beach or whatever. And my feeling was. First and foremost, Dunkirk. I hadn't heard this movie was happening. Secondly, oh, yeah. Christopher Nolan's making like a war movie. Is it going to be like a sci-fi I war think movie? You and I heard about Dunkirk from Matt, our buddy Haggerty, who's working on Infinity Wars right now, and who was on here for uh, our first episode and another episode, and worked on Dunkirk, and worked on. Well, that's what I was yeah, going to yeah. say is when he told us, he's like, I actually am doing quick pickup shoots in L.A. for Dunkirk, yeah. the new Nolan movie. 
I was like, what? Yeah. The new Nolan movie. He's right. Like, yeah, the new Nolan war movies. Like, I, it's just, it's, he's like, I'd try to get you apart, but it's just a bunch of dead bodies in the sand. And I was like, <laughs> I'd be a dead body in the sand in a fucking <laughs> Nolan movie. Are you kidding me? Um, but yeah, that was when I heard about it. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. And when we heard about it, it was a little bit of like, I don't really know what to expect out of this movie. What is this? And it continued that way as the trailers came out. And it wasn't like I had a clear sense of what was going on. So eventually what happened was like, this movie came out and I kind of still walked out of it feeling like I don't really know what that was. I, I, I guess I sort of felt blindsided by the movie in a lot of ways. Totally. I think, I, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go I was going to say, I think that's, I heard that, and I think I even said that when I walked out. I was like, I loved it. I don't really know what I just saw, yeah. but I loved it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like when you call, I saw it the day before you, and you were like, what'd you think? And I was like, I don't want to tell you a single thing. And about I was like, it. good, stop, 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 stop. Yeah. Because well, you're on the... edge, too. So you're like, obviously, what I watched, like, I was into it, but yeah, you're what was it? Completely <laughs> invested. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, you said to me on the phone, I was like, okay, this is different. Like, yeah. It's a very different movie. Yeah. That's why, I, that's why I say ranking it was so hard, and the only thesis I could really comfortably come up with was the one I used, because I don't think as, as great as this movie was, and it, honestly, as great as it may end up being in my mind, a year from now, I may feel like this is one of the best two or three Christopher Nolan movies For possible. Sure. Yeah. But I don't think this is one of the 30 or 40 best movies of all time. So, like... Right. I didn't even... I forgot to put it on the... I'll look that up. Definitely while need you... to rewatch. But, yeah, yes. I agree. So, I'll have to rewatch it. So, so, let's talk a little bit about Nolan. The Nolans. Christopher um, Edward Nolan. All three of the Nolans, even though Thomas doesn't go by Nolan. Yeah. Oh, actually, Jonathan Nolan had nothing to do with this movie. No, he did not. Yeah, okay. Mm-mm. So, uh, yeah, Chris Nolan, he is credited as the only writer on two films and two films only. And that is uh, this film and Interstellar, right? Uh, yes, that is 100% true. Um, aside from that, he has adapted works. He's written with David S. Goyer, and he has also written with his brother, Jonathan Nolan, who now, yeah. Jonathan Nolan has now become a star in his own right. Which, as, he, which he, I was like, when is this going to happen? Yeah, because now Jonathan Nolan was behind Westworld. Jonathan Nolan did Person of Interest the entire series, like yeah. co-wrote a bunch of these movies with Chris. So they're both like kind of just geniuses when it comes to, I mean, he, it's a short story. Memento is based on a Jonathan Nolan short story. Yep. So these guys are great, um, but yeah, Chris Nolan. We've talked a lot about him. Um, have, we early... only, have we only covered done uh, Inception? Is that it? Right. And Dark Knight. Oh yeah, Dark Knight. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, he is you know an incredibly high grossing filmmaker. He's made ten movies now, including this one. Going back to his first film, following which I think is from like ninety seven, maybe. Well, it's so funny to think it's the number forty. It's the forty. We'll get there. Uh, it's funny to think that like Christopher Nolan's gotten to the point now. It's the same thing as when we cover a James Cameron and Spielberg movie. Like, we don't really need to tell you a lot about him anymore. Yeah, yeah. We all, everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows how successful he is, all the movies that he's done. There's very few people that I can list every single movie that they've directed, and I can do that for him. I would um, say the most notable things to point out for Nolan, history-wise, yeah. and for who he is, are um, Steven Soderbergh recruited him to direct Insomnia in 2002. So that was because he had made Following, which is basically like a modern-day short noir mm-hmm. uh, in, like, 97, I think. He had made Memento in 99, which was the breakthrough movie. And yeah. at the time, Memento was considered by a lot of people to be, like, I said this, uh, an influential movie on the level of, like, Pulp Fiction or Fight Club. Yeah. Like, the kind of movie that people walked away from being, like, this is one of the three or four best films of the year. And as time passed, it was such a cult classic amongst movie nerds um, that it was one of these incredibly influential movies. The sec- and, and I just want to say real quick, guys, if you're in the chat, just throw in, what are your thoughts on Memento? Because Ben thinks it's aged. I watched it again last night. Just throw them in there real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, I, when I watched it again, it, probably a couple years ago, because I saw, <laughs> who did I see this movie in theaters with? Who? My dad. My dad. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Took me to see this in theaters when I was 11. <laughs> um, 
It's like a really it's a fucked gnarly up movie. movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That scene with Carrie Ann Moss yeah. is intense. Um, but it's awesome. And I loved it. And I saw it again probably five years later. And the last time I watched it was three or four years ago. And the way I felt about it was like, this movie's really good. The performances are really sound. It's, you know, it's not as cohesive or like doesn't feel as complete as the later Nolan stuff, mm-hmm. um, even just from a few years later. But it's for what it was at the time. It's incredibly raw and very well done. That's the breakthrough movie for him. Yeah, and I think I think that one of the things about that movie is the reveal in it and the twist is so crazy. Yeah. Like, mind-blowing. It's a great reveal. Um, but it's different than the Fight Club reveal. Because every time, even now, I've seen Fight Club a hundred times, even now when you watch that moment of him thinking about it and then retracing his steps, it's like a fist pump moment. Yeah. You know? Whereas totally. in Memento, it's kind of just like... Since they show you the same thing so many times over and over and over and you already know what the end is, yeah. I can see why you're saying it. It's aged a little poorly. It just the payoff isn't there. Yeah. Like I, it is with I Fight don't Club. mean aged poorly like it's not good, just right. aged poorly like it's not on that all time level that I think people sort of considered it to be for a while. That was the first breakthrough. His next few years were a little slower, Insomnia and O two being his next movie, and that people watched it, but with the cast involved it was like a little bit kind of underwhelming Um, and then after that came Batman Begins which is it's funny because Batman Begins is not even really the big breakthrough for him it was people liked Batman Begins a lot that movie did very well and it was actually it was Inception really it was Dark Knight. You think so? Yeah, because Dark Knight's... The, I mean, Dark Knight is the single movie that they expanded the Oscars past five movies for. Right, but I think that when Inception came out, it was so grand, and it, like, had blown everyone's mind. Because it was like... Yeah. The world was bending in that movie. You know what I mean? Totally, And I, but I think, I think like, the movie Inception was, like, a big deal. I don't think it would have been, like... The world was like, well, we're going to have to see Inception this weekend, had it not been, like... His last movie was The Dark Knight? Right. Oh, yeah. So we, we have, have to, to see Inception. What? what? So we have to see Interstellar? Is that what you think what happened then? No, I'm saying, like, I think Dark Knight came out. I know he, what you're saying. Oh. What I'm, what I'm asking you is that if, do you think that when The Dark Knight came out, right. everyone was like, I have to see Interstellar now? Do you know what I mean? Interstellar? Yeah. Uh, like, but Interstellar was, like, six years later. Well, I know. You're saying... I'm confused, sorry. I, I'm saying that when Inception came out, yeah. it was like it put him on the map to be one of the greatest directors ever. Right. And you're saying that when Inception came out, it wasn't like, oh, I have to go see this next Nolan movie. What you're saying is when The Dark Knight came out, I have to see this next Nolan movie, which was Interstellar. Even I think... Though, uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, ex- except the one thing I'm confused about is that Rises came out first. No, I know, but that was yeah. another Batman movie. Everyone was going to watch that. Got I'm it. talking about... Interstellar being his original concept, the yes, next one. the next yeah. film that he was doing that wasn't a superhero movie. Yeah. Now that he was the director, you had to see what he was doing. Yeah, for, I think for me... You had to follow him. Yeah. You think that Interstellar you had to. Because it was the next original property. Yeah. I think at that point he was just like in the stratosphere. Um, Thanks, Joel. <laughs> I think you should get you on the show instead. <laughs> He's like, I know what you're trying to say, buddy. Uh, yeah, it's just because Inception and Interstellar, I thought you were mixing it, but you weren't. Um, no, for, I think for me, what, what it comes down to is like when we, when we look at these directors that have this kind of footprint, there's a couple of different factors, right? One is budget, mm-hmm. and the other is freedom. So like, as a director, when you're like, well, I want to make this uh, crazy mind-bending psychological thriller that's going to have three levels, a dream level, another level, and another level, and I want to have total autonomy on the story, and uh, I'm going to write the thing, and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, and he's like, but I made Dark Knight. So like, well, okay. That right. movie made like $800 million and was like in one an Oscar, so you can do what you want. And I think that's what I mean is like his ability to make the movies that he wanted to make and for the and for the studios to say... I know people will see this. I just know they're going to see your movie. Mm-hmm. Is different after Dark Knight than Begins because I think Begins was like 
Well, yeah, I don't think Begins did that. Yeah, is I that... Think it was, yeah, it was Inception for me. Uh, all right, so let's talk box office and... Well, do, so we'll, I'll just briefly mention Emma Thomas. Emma Thomas and Christopher Nolan were dating when uh, they traveled um, to, to France and Dunkirk, and they, they traveled to this exact place, and that's where he wrote this um, the short story for this. They got married later on. They produced everything together. She's incredible. She's Our been team. with him since the very beginning with um, uh, Feature. Uh, I mean, with Following, where she, was, she actually had a role in there. Um, so... Moving on to critical and box office, this movie kind of blew everyone away. It cost $100 million to make. It was produced by Warner Brothers. It was released last week, and it made $56 million domestically. An additional $56 million worldwide for a grand total of 113 because there's some change on the end of each of those. Uh, and it opened at number one at $50 million. Valerian also opened <laughs> this last weekend. Valerian was number four behind Spider-Man Homecoming and another movie that I don't even remember. It's like a rom-com. Yeah, let's give a golf clap for Valerian real quick. (sighs) That's real sad. (laughs) $17 million. Uh, That's crazy. But for for Nolan, uh, he was very happy. He got $20 million for this movie, and then he also gets 20% of the box office, which is the most any director has ever made since Jackson, uh, Peter Jackson for 2005 in King Kong. I was confused when I read this. So is, is that does that mean he gets $20 million and 20 or is it $20 million it's, against? It's $20 million. I'm pretty sure it's... So he either gets... He, I, whichever's bigger. That's what I assume. $20 million salary against 20% of the box office. I thought it was both because Cameron has made way more from just box really? office sales. Yeah. That's if it's, insane. If, if it's, it's 20 and 20, that's like, oh, God, I need to start directing movies. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, he wrote <laughs> what are we it, doing too. Here? So it's... Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, he deserves it at this point. Um, uh, Luke Besson. And this is where... This is where it falls off for you. So IMDb gives it an 8.7, which makes it the number 40 movie of all time. This is a hard thing to justify. I don't know. I mean, that's why I say I just well, don't know how I feel about this movie what's yet. Today? That's high. The 26th. <laughs> it's been out for five days. It's so crazy. So that's, that's the problem that I have. Like, I'm usually the person that advocates for the IMDb list yeah. way more than you do. Yeah. But to call something the 40th best movie ever made and it's only been out for five days is, like, really tough. My guess like, the great the reason that Shawshank and Godfather one and two are numbers one two and three yeah is because those movies have been out for twenty and thirty years and forty years yeah we know that they've stood the test of time we know that even today you can go back and watch Andy Dufresne crawl through a river of shit and you will cheer right whereas like how can this be the fortieth best movie it's been five days I also think when you look at these Rotten Tomato scores ninety two by uh, top by all critics ninety six by top critics and eighty three by audience I think it's a good indicator of when I say overrated because generally speaking the movies we do on the show have one consistency in their ratings like nine out of ten audience score is always the highest mm-hmm. when yeah. the audience score is thirteen percent lower than the top critic score this is a little bit of like a critics darling type of movie yeah. and, and that's why I say like eighty three percent is so much more the movie that I think this is. That's so much more what I would expect, which is like, yeah. it's an incredibly beautiful war movie that, do, that does something really innovative. Whereas it's like, 96% is like, you're telling me that this is better than most of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Like, the, like right off the bat, you walked out of this being like, this is one of the best movies ever made. But maybe it is one of the best movies ever made, even Could if it doesn't be. have like the greatest storytelling. You know what I mean? I'm fucking hundred percent. Just because it's yeah, like technically, I yeah. Like I, I get said, you. a yeah. year from now, I might be looking at this movie and being like, "This is one of the two or three best movies by Christopher Nolan." I don't think you will. I'm almost hundred percent positive you won't. I might watch it again and like, I don't think you, I don't think you will. I don't think I will. I don't think I hear a bet coming on. Anyone <laughs> will. Like, I'd be I'd be really hard pressed to find anyone that thinks this is Nolan's best movie. 
Yeah, I think it'd be really cool to have a conversation with that person. I really do. Well, let's rank our films. Well, let's rank our films. <laughs> let's do a ranking of the top ten Christopher Nolan oh, films, guys. Man, here we go. Uh, this was a hard one to do. This was an incredibly difficult thing to do. And the only one that I feel like a little bit conflicted about is Dunkirk because it's the hardest one for me to rank. So just just know as an aside here, guys, that Andrew and I are both going to count down our top tens. Um, do you want to do our ten at the same time, like ten through one, or do you want to go you go I go? Uh, we'll go. Let's. I like the first one more. Seems, okay, seems more interesting. Number ten for me, Insomnia. Number ten for me is following. Okay, so and that's number nine for me. And number nine for me is Insomnia. Great. Perfect. So, so we got those out of the way real quick. Yeah. Back Eight. and forth. It might- Have you seen? All ten of these movies, Marina. Have I've you? seen a good amount. Maybe so. For not. those of you guys that don't know what all ten are, I'm going to run through them real quick. Yeah. Uh, in order, they're following Memento, Insomnia, Batman Begins, The Prestige, The Dark Knight, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, and Dunkirk. Yep. Um. So what's your eight? Well, so I just before we move on from those oh, two, yeah. let's just qualify real quick. And the reason, so the reason being. Uh, that these are the two lowest. Following, for those wondering, <clears throat> it's a short black and white noir film about a grifter who like learns from another grifter and like follows people around. It's not complicated. It's intense and it's dark and it's weird, but it made an impact and it got people to notice Christopher Nolan. And that's why, for me, that movie goes at nine. Where Insomnia because you have three Academy Award winning actors in a written and directed Nolan film. Well, yeah, not, yeah, written. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of sucks. Yeah, it's fine. Like, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's not a bad movie. It's just like not something that I've ever been compelled to go back and watch. And recently, again. you and I have had conversations with people um, <clears throat> that have ranked Insomnia as like the top three for them, which I think is is crazy to me. That's just being contrarian. But yeah, exactly. Silly. So, what is your number eight? Uh, my number eight is going to be Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Really? Yeah. yeah unless I'm forgetting, I believe I'm going off eight memory is here. That but... low? Wow. So my number eight is Interstellar. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so my number seven is Interstellar. Interstellar. Okay. And my number seven is Dunkirk. Oh, really? I thought you would have put Dunkirk. What? What? That blows my mind. Did you have a hard time ranking it? No. Oh, Dunkirk is really I I really didn't. Look, I think Dunkirk is fantastic. Yeah. I really do. Deserve seven? Yeah. But because but when you look at the six movies ahead. When you look at the six movies ahead of it and you look at look, Interstellar. Uh, I mean, excuse me, The Dark Knight Rises is ahead of Dunkirk. Dunkirk is a better made movie than The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. But as a whole, I think for me personally, because yeah. this is my list, yeah. uh, and, and in my terms of my favorites and, and greatness to me, I think The Dark Knight Rises is better than it. So I, I it argue, was really hard for me to put it down that low. Yeah. But it's seventh for me. I argue all the time The Dark Knight Rises is uh, is underrated because I think that that movie has a lot more going on and deserves to be remembered more fondly. But what it comes down to for me on that movie is that I think Bane is so awesome. And I love Bane so much in that movie. And there are moments in that movie that I think are totally rad. But unfortunately, it just has so many things about it, like moments that I just remember thinking, like, it's just kind of stupid. Like, why, you know, like the the scene where, like, Alfred's like, I never told you that Rachel said she wanted to go with Harvey Dent. I never told you. I'm just like, I didn't need that. Or, like, uh, there was, like, a nut. Doesn't Alfred have some... Doesn't Alfred have some speech that he gives to Bruce Wayne that's very similar to the speech that he gives in the second one? Yeah. Like, tries to be the same thing again. And there was just, like, a lot of moments in that movie where I was just like, this is just kind of dumb. The Robin stuff at the end, it just, that movie just falls apart a little bit in memory for me. What's your birth name? Yeah. Uh, Robin. Yeah, exactly. Yes! Yeah, yeah right. No, I know. I feel you on but that. But Bane is just so but sweet. Bane is so sweet. Yeah. Everything he says. So my seven uh, is Interstellar. And 
what I will say about Interstellar through and through is that Interstellar has probably the most remarkable soundtrack of the last 10 years. I've listened to it easily 500 times. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to it running yesterday, and it's the slowest, most like haunting thing in the world. I adore it, and it has one 30-minute sequence that is my favorite sequence of the movie and stands out in my mind and always has. And it's from the moment that they decide they're going to go down to the water planet. They land on the water planet. The visual of the ocean being like three Those inches mountains. deep. Yeah. Those are waves. The, <laughs> the concept of relativity between the time passing on that planet and the time up in the ship. And then finally, when they get back up to the ship, after everything's gone wrong, and he sits there watching his videos. all of the, the videos from Jessica Chastain as she yeah. gets older. And Affleck. They're incredible. That whole sequence is so memorable and incredible that that movie... It almost I almost want to put it ahead of my next one just for those scenes because those those things are also great, but it also is like super long and it has a lot of stuff again that just like falls apart for me. Okay. All right, so that was your seven. Yep. So my six, and you're gonna hate this. Don't say it. I know yep. you're gonna go there. I'm doing it. Angia! <laughs> Don't do it! Come on! <laughs> The Prestige. Uh, Number six is The Prestige. It is ridiculous. a fantastic movie. Probably one of Nolan's best. I love how after he ranks it, he's like, no, no, but it's amazing. Like, it is. It it's Christopher Nolan. Is. I know you love that movie. I love it. I think it's super great. It's the one I've seen the least out of everything on the list. And when I did watch it, I thought it was fantastic. I need to watch it again. We should it'll probably. That. It'll probably go up on my list. Yeah. But for now, it's sixth. We should watch that movie again. We should. I'm totally down. I love that movie. I'd love to watch it with you. Um, tonight. Let's watch it tonight. I'm busy tonight. Okay, fine. Never mind. <laughs> Uh, shut down. <laughs> um, uh, rises. So Interstellar, six is Dunkirk for me. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It, and like I said, if this movie moves ahead two slots, that would be the least surprising. I don't think this would crack my top three, really. It, mm-hmm. I could see it happening if I watched it again. I might think about this. Because this movie defies so many of like the paradigms that we're used to seeing in film, if I watched it again, I might find myself thinking about it and being like, wow, this does something I've just never seen before. And I didn't, and I was too dumb to realize what the fuck was happening the first time. Okay, because it, I, I did feel confused watching it, but I'm willing to give it another shot. So that would be six. Is Dunkirk? Um, did you say your six? You said prestige. Uh, I did. I said prestige. So uh, what is your number five? five? Batman Begins. You idiot! <laughs> Get out of my room! Get off of this show! What? Come on, man! I love Begins. You like Memento more than Begins? Yeah. It's a, mu- it's a much more like when nope, I say it's nope. aged. When I say it's aged, like I think Memento is still such a harder movie to make with the resources at the time, and like is great. Uh, I think Memento is great. Batman Begins to me has always been like that's a really, really, really solid uh, origin story, and an origin story by the way that we should They're do on here. Do we should we should do it soon. That's that's like that's like a go to at this point. Now Dude, that we can I feel super- like it's angry. <laughs> I'm like bothered by the fact that it's number five. It's probably like number two for you. You fucking love that movie. God. All right. Here we go. (laughs) Fine. Uh, My number five is Memento. Yeah. That's Uh, fair. Yeah. It's it's, It's my number four. So. Okay. Cool. So your number four is Memento. My number four is The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. It's just too high for me. It It, just has too much fat on it. I totally get it. I totally get it. I think that it it does. It has a lot of fat to trim, but I have never spoken as someone's voice so much in my life. It's Bane. (laughs) I know. I know. Which is, that's what I was saying earlier. I'm like, I just feel like they could honestly probably, Rises feels like it could jump Interstellar and Dunkirk for me for just that reason. If Nolan made a Bane (laughs) origin story, it would be number one. Yeah. (laughs) Like 100%. He's such a memorable villain. And it's crazy that, that Heath Ledger as the Joker makes it so that like 
Bane, like like Hardy's Bane, is just like this kind of afterthought when you talk about like right Nolan villains. Yeah, and like in reality, it would be such a memorable villain if not for the fact that like Heath Ledger maybe created the most memorable acting performance of our lifetime. Three hundred and one. There we go. I just saw that. Sick. We just got our three hundred and one, which I also Let's think. Go. Look, him as Venom could be the coolest thing ever. Could be great. Yeah, yeah. It could be really awesome. All right, here we go. Top three? Top three. All right, so my number three. Do you like that my number three is going to, you know what my three is going to be? It's so high. Yes. (laughs) My number three is Inception. Whoa! You, oh my God, I think I know where this is going. You're going down such a dark path you right know now. Exactly what I'm oh doing. Oh my god! And you know exactly You've argued, what you've I'm doing. Argued it before, and I can't believe you're going to actually rank dun, it. Dun, dun. You're really going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. This is crazy. Oh my god. Oh my god. I can't believe you're really going to do this. <laughs> I mean, it's still up on the air. I mean, it's the last two movies. You're just going to decide on the spot. Way. I have it written down the way that you think it should go, but in my mind, I'm trying to you, battle it. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Uh, my number three is The Prestige, and the reason I say it is Fire because – the reason I say The Prestige is my number three is because year after year, whenever I watch that movie again, I'm always taken aback by a couple different factors. Uh, the first is it's two of my favorite actors of, their, of, of my lifetime, and it's the two of them in, like, the ideal moment of their career where they're both at this point where, like, Jackman had done two Wolverines. He had been – he had become a superstar, but he wasn't at the point yet where – put Hugh Jackman in a movie and he has a chance to win an Oscar. It was sort of yeah. like, he was still sort of in this younger leading man. Like what's Hugh Jackman's career. He was really in his prime and Bale at that point was in the, okay, I'm booking really big stuff, but you know, he hadn't been, he hadn't been in Terminator yet. 310 to Yuma hadn't yet come out. Mm-hmm. It was advertised the same time as the illusionist. So like, People just didn't see it. it. It looked like kind of a boring movie. And Nolan, because just what we talked about... Was, I, I completely... Yeah, I'm this person that you're talking about <laughs> that you, didn't watch it. Yeah, neither, neither yeah. did I. It took me a couple of years. I didn't see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. So it came out between Begins and Dark Knight, which is, which is like another reason people didn't see it. Because like Batman Begins was so good, we all knew he was going to make a sequel, and he made a movie in between. When you watch this movie, the storytelling and the performances, it's so compelling. It's... I would argue that it is his third most memorable movie, which is why it goes third for me on the list. It's the most satisfying movie of his for me to rewatch. I've seen it other than Dark Knight the most times. Yeah. What's your number two? My number two is Interstellar. Or I mean, is Inception. It's the Dark Knight. Really? Yeah. So you think Inception is his best movie ever? Yeah. You think it's his masterpiece? When we did it on the show, Mm -hmm. it convinced me. It brought me back. It brought me back to the place... Inception had the almost famous effect. It was too hyped. It was mm-hmm. too hyped in a way that yeah. was like it got the it got the best picture nomination. When I've gone back to look at Inception and think about it, there's strong arguments that people have made that that movie should have beaten King's Speech for best picture that year. Oh, and, and I definitely think so. I mean, King's Speech is fantastic, but as a whole movie, Inception is just like it's not like people. Some people complain that it's like stupidly high concept, and it's like. You're wrong. It's like yeah. it's a modern day sci-fi masterpiece. It, it really. I, I had a really hard time not actually making it number one as well or two. Yeah, it, because it is perfect and it, and it leaves you wondering at the end and it's it's acted incredibly. It's 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 perfect. It yeah. really is. And I would say the only thing that drops Dark Knight a little lower for me is that when I've gone back to watch Dark Knight again, and I've probably seen Dark Knight twelve or fifteen times. I mean, it's high on my list of favorite films of all time. I like Dark Knight more than Inception, so on my favorite films list, okay. Dark Knight's higher. But when I've gone back to watch Dark Knight again, 
I find myself distracted by a couple things. A, I just don't really like the Two Face storyline. Yeah, it's kind of it kind of bothers me. Man, and I just don't think that Aaron Eckhart does a great job with it. And I also find Maggie Gyllenhaal as much as like I actually oh, think she's, she's hot. You're not trying to kill you, Harvey. You're not doing your job, Harvey. I know these briefs backwards. backwards. Yeah, I just, just like, like don't stop. love her. Um, um, so yeah, that's that. I almost want to put Inception at number one. Like, I really badly do and want to bump Dark Knight to three. Yeah. Uh, but I won't. So what's your final ranking? So my number two is The Dark Knight, and my number one is Batman Begins. You're really doing it. I'm I really doing it. That's so crazy to I'm me. I'm doing it, man. I think that the dude is a legend. He took one <laughs> of the most oversaturated, overdone, run-into-the-dirt superhero stories with what Joel Schulmacher did to that franchise He's my favorite superhero my whole life, and he tells a perfect origin story, and it is almost impossible to do. It's such a perfect origin story. There are no moments of trimmed fat, like in The Dark Knight and in The Dark Knight Rises. The reason that The Dark Knight is so great is because of Heath Ledger. My name is Ducard. His his three villains are so fucking They're sweet. They're so good. And, like, don't get me wrong. The, the explosions and the, the shots in The Dark Knight of him standing on the... They just don't compare to me. Like, they're great, but I remember walking out of Batman Begins and being, like, I was, like, a kid, like, so excited for you my, to be my favorite hero. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to be Batman, and I also was just like, yes, now this next generation can understand why I love Batman so much. And, like, walking out of The Dark Knight, I was like, wow, Heath Ledger is maybe the greatest actor alive right now. Like, that's how I felt. Well, except that he was no longer alive. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. you know what I meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, one of the greatest performances I'd ever seen, and... It wasn't the directing. Like, even walking out of Dunkirk, more so, I'm like, Christopher Nolan's an incredible director. It's like how I felt, right? Yeah. Like, master. Just like master. You're yeah. the fucking master. So if we're talking, like, just directional style, I might even go, like, Inception and then Dunkirk. But if I'm talking about, like, my favorites, and I think the best, I think Batman Begins is his best movie. That's so crazy. Yeah, yep. five for me, one for you. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, that's why I wanted to do this. Uh, awesome. So, uh, Marina, did you have any thoughts to add to this conversation? Any uh, Any pieces of ranking? Anything that you wanted to point out? Uh, if anything, it makes me want to rewatch some of the movies. Yeah. Um, like Dark Knight. Yeah. That's the one. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. That's how I felt. Watch it. I've, like, I've heard so much about it on the show for so long that oh, I just had to watch it. Yeah. But I loved Inception. That was one of, my, one of my favorite movies, especially at the time it came out. I mean, it was just so hyped. Yeah. Um, I remember going to see it with a lot of my friends, and I liked it. But, um, yeah, I want to see uh, Batman Begins because that's yeah, your favorite. so, so. Good. You haven't seen it? No, I've seen oh. it, but I want to rewatch it. Oh, yeah, sweet. I do almost want. I say that Inception is his best movie, but I, I'm I'm sticking to it. So uh, it was a recent change for me. I didn't. Yeah. It, it was when we, Rachel Brooke Smith came on and did the episode yeah. with us, and we watched it, and we really went and sunk into it, and I was blown away. I think Marion Cotillard is one of the strongest parts of that movie. She's so she, frightening. She she's creates horrifying. She creates such movie. a like. In the same way that I think people praised Inside Out so much for going inside your head and mm-hmm. like and really. Um, just like really painting this picture of like this is what happens inside your head the way that yeah. like you go down the elevator and you have your memory of the broken glass and her and like it's just so awesome that movie is just like fuck it I'm audibling I'm audibling right now Inception is the best and then Batman Begins and then Dark Knight and it's because when I was watching Wait, Inception is that a change? Is that a, change. a confirmation? That's a, that's a confirmed change Okay, Bateman won and the reason is <laughs> is I remember watching Inception and like one of the things about it that blew my mind more than anything was that like just the truth behind the subtleties in life 
Like, you ever have a dream and you just you're just there and you don't ever realize how you got there? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I dream, that happens, yeah. you know, and it's like the 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 falling to wake up, yeah, like that fear of falling. We've all done like there was just so much brilliant shit in that movie, yeah, uh, and the subconscious and people looking at you, yeah. You were like Bart in the Planet of the Apes musical. This movie has everything. This movie has everything <laughs> exactly. All right, so I'm gonna do a quick audible, uh, guys. That was an awesome discussion. I would love if you would please post your list, your top 10 Nolan. Yeah, please do. You can just hashtag top 10 Nolan. You can do it in the Facebook fan page with our 301 fans, or you can do it on our Instagram. <laughs> 301. Uh, Let's our, make that 310 by tonight. Can yeah, we Yeah, right? seriously. Let's make it like 3 million by next year. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, our Twitter page, at AMA Podcast. You can also post it on there. We will see it. Uh, let's move on. I feel like we've been talking favorite about that line? for a long time. Yeah, that was a long one. That was a good one. Yeah, favorite line for me, I'm going to be completely honest with you. There was a bunch of lines of watching the trailer that I remembered. There's so there's so little said in this movie. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, don't really have one that I feel strongly about. Um, some of the lines from the trailer I was reminded of, you know, like, you can almost see it, what, home. That's my favorite line. Yeah. yeah that's a great line. That one jumps out to me. There's a few others. You know, I, I love when Mark Rylance has the moment where he turns around and he's like, we still might be able to help him because he's like, he thinks he's dead. He's, yeah, he, like, snaps. Real yeah, quick. yeah. There's a couple, but like this was a hard one for me. This doesn't have like one-liners that stand out. What about your explosion of emotion? Then you got to have one of those, yeah. right? Oh, 100. percent I've got one. Yeah, I'm gonna we... let Marina jump in. All right, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. do that afterwards. We talked about this, the drowning. I mean, oh, I was just like, wait, are you doing your emotion or your line? No, my emotion. Oh, shoot. oh, he stole your line. Yeah, he stole my line. That That's was mine. Fair. And then you took my other one in the trailer. Um, he's on me. I'm on him. <laughs> yeah. So, whatever. Um, but yeah, the underwater, like, I oh, felt like I was underwater, like, I was like... With the flare gun yes, and he's hitting you. I was literally like... No, 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 she's talking about, oh, no, I'm talking about the, the emotion now. She's talking about when the French soldier drowns. Drowns. Oh, 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 in the boat you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I was like, I mean, I was just like, I, I mean, drowning, given is one of my biggest fears. Yeah. Fun fact oh, about me. Totally. I've always been scared of the water, like, I never go past my ankles, it's just a thing <laughs> that, about me, whatever. Ankles? I, like, freak out. I'll go in a pool, but I, okay, ocean scare me. All right, fair, fair. The interstellar water planet was perfect for you. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. The water so, is literally the steep. I'm literally watching <laughs> that, and I'm just, like, my heart's breaking, given that I would die. I'd die before that even ha- I was drowned, because right. I'd be so scared. But yeah. That was probably mine. Um, there was so much, though. Like, for me, I was, like, so in love with the music. Hans did an amazing oh, yeah. job. He's fantastic. That I just felt myself always, like vulnerable to the emotion in that movie like the drama like i was mm-hmm. just like yeah like everything hit me but and i and i really oh obviously the acting was great and the you movie like together this welling feeling in you the, the music whole movie, was like. yeah unbelievable perfect perfect not too much not too little perfect inserted everywhere i don't know i love the music um yeah, but I mean, let me hear was... yours you have one you said all right so my favorite line i gotta do that first is is um <laughs> it's we're going to war george yeah I'll do good work for you, sir. Yeah. I just loved it because he's just like... Yeah, George was a great character. He was a great character. And, yeah. and like what he said, it was just like such an innocent, like, I just want to help. Yeah, right. And then it was followed by ne- my next favorite line, which is, of course, Hardy. He's on me. I'm on yeah. Um I would say, uh, as I mentioned the line there and then my explosion of emotion that I would add to yours would be the moment that you... Just the moment you see the ships. The yeah, moment you see... Exactly what Chaz just said. The ship. It's just such an emotional moment. Um, so, yeah, that would be what I'd throw in there. Did you want to add one before we get into the last section of the show? Oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so I, the, the one, obviously, of this French soldier, I was really sad that he died, but it was also one of those deaths that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it, it just felt appropriate. Um, it's, they showed it in the, the trailer, man. It's that dude. They're sitting there on the beach, and he, he just kind of... He's just walking. And you see him just. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Like, oh, my God, he's going to go swimming. And it's right after 
those rescue boats are trying to go back out yeah. and the boats are breaking to the to the current. I mean yeah. to the to the waves crashing. Like you can't swim. No. And so yeah, the dude walking out there, I was just like Done. There's those moments in history like and I don't want to get all sad here, but like you know, when nine eleven happened, there was a yeah. moment of the people just jumping out of the building. Right. You're jumping like sixty stories. Yeah. You know what's gonna happen. Right. Yeah, it's and, just and like that. It's the like moments the epitome of, of you're done giving yeah, up. Yeah, moments of that when people like truly give up, it just breaks my heart. And like right. watching that dude just go out there, I was like, "Oh man, here it is, there it is." Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, the last bit on the show we always talk about is there are three action movie categories. Without even really explaining them, I don't think this is a fair one to even get into. Totally no. ridiculous, totally legitimate, ridiculously legit. I think we all can pretty much agree this is a totally legit movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. not the kind of movie that really has to even enter that discussion. No, I think if we if we were even to have that discussion, we would have not covered this movie on the show. Yes. Right. So the last bit of the show is something we like to call The Pitch. And guys, we got to wrap up. We're going to tell you right now that Atomic Blonde is coming next week. Yes. We've been waiting for this movie for so long. We're so excited. Charlie's there, and good God bless it. I can't wait to watch her kick ass. All of the new footage coming out of her training and everyone talking about her being in the top one percentile of actors doing their own stunts. She just like, she looks amazing. She looks incredible. Yeah, she is looks incredible. Charlie's the new modern day Sigourney Weaver and Linda Hamilton. We'll find out next week. Yeah, I think the answer is yes, and we're going to so. get proven right, so I can't freaking wait, guys. Be here. Uh, we, Like I said, we will be pre-taping. Uh, my fault, but we will be airing the episode at 12.30 next Wednesday, same time, same place. Once again, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Be sure to follow along with the Facebook fan page. Jump in that group and follow us on Twitter at AMA Podcast. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. You can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter, and where can they find you? Marina underscore Verano on Twitter and Instagram. And like the boys said, please chat with me on the AMA fan page. Yeah. We get love. your friends, family, get everyone involved. Let's yeah, make guys. that. Invite everybody. Yeah, we see invite that, everyone you know. We see you talking to your friends about <laughs> movies. Get those people to watch the show and get them on, all right? All right, guys. See you guys next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.